Cowell, academic advisor in the College of Sciences and Mathematics. And I'm Jonathan Hallward, academic advisor in the College of Liberal Arts. And this is the award-winning Advising 2Bits podcast. Where we enhance, but not replace, your academic advising experience here at Auburn University. Today we are discussing an article from Homeroom, which is the official blog of the U.S. Department of Education. You can find the article titled, The Importance of Academic Advising in Higher Education. Yeah, so this blog post was written by Caitlin Thatch. She's, she was an intern at the U.S. Department of Education in the Office of Communication and Outreach. One thing that, that kind of brought this article to a to my attention was um, one. It was it was shared by colleagues at other institutions on social media. These are people that we know and have met through professional development and and through NACADA, which is the Global Community for Academic Advising. And there was a lot of discussion there about how accurate this was and how this relates to multiple institu- institutions, not just Auburn or not just institution that this person went to. As we as I read through it, I really liked it because it really focused on things that we have maybe mentioned uh, anecdotally between at various points during this this podcast. So let's take a look at it and uh, share some things and, and maybe this kind of gives our listeners some idea of what advising is because a lot of times I feel like uh, for me, especially students who are coming in as freshmen feel like advising is more like their guidance counselor in high school. And what that relationship was is really overall not the same thing as what advising is in that relationship with an an advisor and a student. So the first point that she makes is that advisors assist in monitoring academic progress. I think that when students or really anyone envision an academic advisor. This is this is what they see us doing. Really, we are tracking degree progress from start to finish, whether you're coming in as a transfer student or as a freshman. We are taking all incoming credit and applying it to your degree in a way to make sure that you are hitting all requirements that are set out by the institution for your degree requirements. From there, then we help out with scheduling and making sure that the classes that you're taking are still keeping you on track towards your graduation date. Yeah, and I think one thing that is important to mention is that this goes on with academic advisors, whether the student's there or not. Um, Many times we're looking at students in an appropriate class and how many students are going to need this next class and looking at scheduling and and passing that information along to respective departments. But at the end of the day, as far as interaction with students, I, I think that this is is very different from student to student. We have the bulletin on campus um, that kind of tracks and lays out all the requirements for every degree. So students could technically follow that to a T, graduate in four years. The reality is that that doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, uh, With AP credit, IB credit, dual enrollment, things like that, that is what it is today. There's so many students bringing in hours that those types of static documents that track a student's progression just quite frankly don't work the same way that maybe they did in generations past when when these opportunities weren't so readily available. I would like to think that we are the expert on policy. So as far as policies that include adding and dropping courses, general education requirements, so the core curriculum, graduation requirements, and really specific requirements to your major. And if you have a minor, your minor requirements. So there are there are a lot of balls in the air that we are juggling. And 
making sure that they remain in the air so that you are successful. So there's there's a lot that we are doing behind the scenes that you don't know about as your advisor. You, you know, you're off in class and studying for exams and out having fun. And we are making sure that you are one step closer to that degree. One thing that this doesn't necessarily point out, and, and it's definitely part of it, is we are monitoring academic progress, not solely for any one party. I mean, we're, we're definitely here to benefit the student and have them graduate on time. But at the same time, we're making sure that university resources are used efficiently. Each semester we get to a certain point, and, and I'm not sure that every student necessarily knows this, but each semester we get to a certain point, and if classes don't have a certain number of students in it, then they have to be canceled. And it's because there's just not enough in there to warrant keeping the class. If we're not tracking that progress and, and keeping up to date on, on the need, then we're going to have too many sections that are being dropped and not enough that make. And and so that kind of thing is going on pretty consistently throughout the semester, whether we're looking at the current semester or the, or the next semester. These are things that are done kind of out of sight, out of mind. The next point that's made is that advisors can help uh, or help students find opportunities. And for me, I think this is the one of those things that – is probably on the top of my list of what I enjoy doing. We talked about the academic progress and that's, you know, that's an important part of it. But this is the 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 opportunity for me to kind of have a conversation with the student, build a relationship, find out what their goals are. And this is really where we start piecing together the puzzle. How do we get from not point A to point B academically, but how do we get from student to professional? and what opportunities they have, have, what opportunities they can take, and how does that work into their curriculum? How does that work into their, their overall um, collegiate experience um, so that they can take that forward? This is not just finding opportunities and sharing with them and, and giving, making sure that they are ready to go when those opportunities present themselves. It's also having the conversation of how do we educate students to market themselves with that experience once it's done. How do students take that opportunity, learn from it, and then use it to go to grad school, use it as an opportunity to get that first job, or maybe even, you know, use it to leverage a different opportunity that might come along in the coming semesters. And this may not look the same for every student and really for every student in the same major as another. This can look like internships. This can look like study abroad. This can look like undergraduate research. This can look as simple as helping you to find an uh, an organization, a student organization on campus that you can join that is relevant to your major or finding one that isn't relevant to your major that's just for fun, that's a stress outlet for you to meet people, really get to enjoy your college experience. Those opportunities don't necessarily have to coincide with your major. Um, I was talking to another student who just recently declared a concurrent major under one of my departmental majors in chemistry, and she said, you know, my primary major is over in the College of Business, and so I'm surrounded by business often. But with this second major, I want to meet people who have the same interests as me in chemistry. What can I do? And so we talked about the different major related organizations. And so opportunities don't have to just mean, you know, something that is a degree requirement. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I have a lot of students who who come to me with, you know, maybe they're in a major on the other side of campus and wanting to do, you know, art classes or wanting to t- 
to do a music ensemble. And this gets them into a different group of people. It gets them into a different mindset, and it's a stress reliever. So, you know, those opportunities are there and, and available. But I think this comes back to that first point of, you know, academic progress. And, and we had talked about the AP and the IB and dual enrollment. You know, when, when I came to college, students might have had nine or 12 hours of credit coming in. So your academic progress and your academic experience was very similar to the next person. You really had to do things extra and out of the way extra to make it unique. Whereas now we're seeing students who are bringing in 45 or more hours and still wanting to stay here for years. And so that really gives the opportunity to um, branch out and, and truly make that experience unique within the the confines of a fall spring semester giving opportunities to intern in the summer giving opportunities to do other things that that would help move forward so i mean the, these all kind of come hand in glove and and kind of work together to to see these opportunities i think that at the beginning of my career when we were seeing seeing fewer ap dual enrollment you know prior to coming to college we did a lot more focus on the progression and the academic side and and what's next because we were telling every single student the same thing now it's you know with so many hours coming in it's a completely different conversation and these types of opportunities are really important because if you're not doing them i guarantee you that somebody else that's maybe sitting in the same class is and moving forward and getting to that completion point, they're going to be more marketable. And so utilizing the academic advisor resource to find opportunities is incredibly important. And as a student, you can expect us to be seeking out your best interest and to helping you get to your goals, whether that's finding the internship, finding undergrad research, ultimately graduating in the degree that you are excited about and and declared and have been working towards for four years. But we also have expectations for our students. And that can really look like coming prepared to your academic advising appointments with questions. We want you to take your opportunity to to meet with us and spend time with us so that you are utilizing your resources to their maximum and full potential. And we are a resource. So always remember that when it comes to your academic advising appointments, you know, your advisor is your biggest cheerleader. Your advisor is one of the, the biggest and best resources that you have on campus. So utilize your advisor. Yeah. And I think this goes back to that shift from high school and the relationship with with a student and their guidance counselor, their student with their advisor, whatever that title is, and, and the difference. Many times in high school, we have students that kind of go in and expect to be told, here's what you're going to do, here's what you need to do, and go forward. My relationship is to have a conversation. It's a give equal give and take between me and the student, and I'm not here to make decisions for students. I'm not here to say, this is what you're going to do. I'm here to show them pros and cons. I'm here to talk about how that might impact both positive and negative. And the more you do before you come in, the more we can do and, and the deeper dive we can take. And if we can take a deeper dive into the world of whatever you want to do and really map out opportunities and options for you, I love conversations with students where we talk about their goals and their aspirations and what they want to do. And if we never talk about a single class, that's great. 
because that means that we've gone into another direction. And we can have that conversation about classes a different way, a different time, through email, something like that, where we can say, okay, this is what you need to do. Here's here's how that meets the goals. But I think that that's one of the biggest changes. And, and the thing that when I came to college, having to build that relationship and how different it was. And the more you do on your end as a student, the better that conversation is. I had a student in my office two days ago, actually, who apologized several times for having a list of questions. And I said, no, this is what I want every student to do. I want my students to walk in with a list of questions so that we can go through each and every one. And she just kind of laughed and and then again apologized. I'm I'm so sorry. This list is so long. I'm taking up your time. I said, your appointment time is your appointment time. And honestly, I don't have a student in the next appointment slot. So if you want to keep talking, let's do it. And I felt that 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 was a very productive conversation, both for her and for me. It's it's fun when we get to have those conversations. I don't like to dive too deep into students' personal things unless they want to tell me. But at the same time, if you don't tell me, I can't help. I think that's one thing, you know, we start, you know, we've kind of talked about all the positives and, oh, these opportunities and those opportunities. But at the same time, there's a lot of negative there, too. Mm-hmm. And opportunities don't necessarily mean fun. It doesn't necessarily mean positive thing. Hopefully it ends up being a positive thing, but opportunities also mean, hey, I'm really struggling, whether that be in a math class or if it's needing counseling, needing this, uh, needing having financial assistance, something like that, having financial insecurities. Let's take the opportunities that an institution like Auburn has see what they are, and you go use those. I can't tell you how many times I say, hey, it was such an easy answer for me to give, but then the students just kind of look at me like, why don't I know about that? Mm-hmm. And it's like because you, a lot of times you have to have the conversation and be a little more open than we as people are naturally. Um, it's, it's hard to be open sometimes. But I tell students all the time, I'm an open book. What's said in my office stays in my office. To an extent, there's certain things that can't, but I, I keep as much as I possibly can private because I, I, that's a trust factor. I, I want students to trust me and to come back in and say, hey, you have my best interest. It's not a place to gossip. It's not a place to do anything like that. Let me share with you what I've learned, and I've learned it because of other students. So you're not the only one. And ultimately, one of the final points in, in the blog post is that advisors want to see you see you succeed. And I think that really is a great segue into this final point of the blog post that we, again, we are your biggest cheerleaders and we want to help you be integrated into the Auburn community, whether that is through student organizations, through high impact practices, through classrooms, through just meeting somebody walking down the concourse. And we are here to help guide you through the process of finding, you know, what what are your goals? You know, not every student knows when they come to Auburn what they want to be when they grow up. That's okay. And, and your major may change while you're here. You may stick with the same major, but ultimately we want to help you be your best self so that you can leave Auburn um, as a representative of this institution, but ultimately of yourself. Looking at that and kind of... We want to see you succeed. It, you're talking about your your student that apologizes. I think the number one po- apology that I get over the years is students who change their plan and then apologize to me for it. And I'm like, you don't owe me an apology. You owe me to go be happy and be successful. Absolutely. And, and if that means leaving my program and go to another program, or if that means leaving Auburn and going to a different institution, Mm -hmm. that's what we're here for. Helping you take those opportunities to be successful. Notice it said be successful, not be successful at that institution. I enjoy seeing students that aha moment of finally figuring it out. And if that means moving on, let me help you move on. 
uh, but don't feel like you owe me an apology because at the end of the day, it's it's not my life. It's not my career or anything like that. It is yours. And that opportunity for you to finally find that moment, especially for those that might be struggling, picking that out and finding what it might be is a reward for me. If nothing else, that's what keeps us here um, and, and may not be what got us here because I know for me, it, I didn't really understand that at the beginning of my career. But, you know, it's, it's definitely what keeps me here and, and keeps me wanting to work with students. My thought is what for you and, and COSAM and that kind of thing, what do y'all expect students to come in with? Because we talked about expectations. Yeah, and it kind of depends on the type of appointment that students are coming in for. For example, and again, this is all coming from the COSAM's perspective, Mm -hmm. so it may be different from college to college, depending on your major. For our upperclassmen who we are doing a graduation audit for, ultimately, I'm kind of doing the bulk of the work on that. I am preparing the graduation audit ahead of time before your appointment so that when you come in, you know exactly what you have left prior to graduation. It's helpful if you have questions. Um, It's also certainly helpful if you've taken a look at your degree plan and have an idea of what's left so there's not a surprise. I'm good if a student comes in and says, yep, I I know what I'm doing. I know what's what's going on in the rest of the next year prior to graduation. And if it matches up to what I have, we're good. As far as the types of appointments that we do towards registration with our students, with our freshmen and sophomores this semester, we will be doing our first attempt at group advising. We've we've always done one-on-one appointments. Mm-hmm. And we always expected students to come in with a registration worksheet completed so that we could talk about what your plans are. It doesn't have to be set in stone, but we wanted to know, what do you think you're going to be taking over the next three semesters? So that we can kind of catch things of well, if chemical literature is on your degree plan, but you have it in the fall, it's only offered in the spring. So that's a discussion we need to have of replanning out some of your schedule. This semester, we're going to try out some group advising. We are going to have some registration worksheet. It may look a little different than what we've used in the past, but students coming prepared so that they have taken a look at their degree plan. They know what classes are kind of an idea of classes that are expected in the degree. And then we can talk about it and give the thumbs up. Yep, you're good to register. So that's kind of be kind of what we're doing for this upcoming semester. But as far as your academic appointments, what do you expect your students to do? Yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm kind of getting into the group advising too for the first time really ever. I guess I did it at the beginning of my career where it was very transactional. And here's what I have, and this is what I recommend. And then you come to me with questions. And I see this as an opportunity to open up other times and availabilities so that we can have those conversations about other things. And instead of let's, oh, oops, we didn't get to courses. Let me email you. It's more of a, on the front end here, the courses. Now let, let that be part of your preparation to come in and talk. I always like to see a student with a list of questions, um, however long that may be, because I see the frustration in their face when they're like, I had a question. I know I'm going to remember it as soon as I walk out of this room, and I've completely forgotten it. I always like to see a list of questions. I always like to see at least a start to a plan of study and, and saying, hey, this is what I want to take next semester for those same things. We have courses that even in the in the Department of Music, we have courses that are only offered once every two years. Wow. So, you know, that's a, a challenge for us, and, and luckily there are multiple places 
catch points and it's not just on me or just not just on the student to catch but you know that's a very important part of the conversation also have a, a large number of students doing double majors or concurrent degrees mm-hmm. and so that's a whole nother element I like to see that they have thought about both and you know knowing am I going to need an overlap what I hate to see is, is a student come in we make this big plan they go to their other advisor they make this big plan and they're not putting it together until the very last minute. And then all of a sudden, when they need that chemical literature class and it's only offered in the spring and, and they can't get in because they're only at 18 hours and they really need to be at 20 right. um, or whatever it may be. And now they've got to get back to me or their other advisor and get approval for an overload. And it just takes a long time. Whereas if if there's some type of preparation, like, hey, I'm thinking I might need you know 19 or 20 hours a semester, I can go ahead and give it. Um, Sure. Um, look for the approval, get the approval, add it. If you don't use it, you don't have it and not need it and need it and not have it. But, I mean, that's my kind of thing. I like for students to come in with, with those two things at least. But, again, I, I like a student to come in with a plan for afterward because many times if we're just looking at degree completion, we're missing something. So if you come in and say, hey, you know, really, I found this thing. Even if you have to, for as one of my students said, nerd out a little bit on it, uh, get really obsessed with it and look into it. And then nothing ever comes of it. Let's just talk about it because that may make connections down the line to something else. I think about students that have come in, they're art majors thinking about going to medical school. You know, something comes along and, you know, it changes that trajectory and all of a sudden they're looking at sticking with art and maybe medical school is not the option anymore, but they really want to do, what is it, medical Medical uh, illustration, illustration. which has a lot of money involved. (laughs) And and so all of us, and I'm like, you know, what, what we like to focus on or what you're getting that's maybe not apparent. So I had a conversation like two or three days ago with a student who's wanting to be a surgeon, and she's a saxophone player. And she was like, nobody thinks about working and strengthening your ring fingers and how important that is in surgery. And But we do it all the time as a saxophone player. So these are the type right. of connections we like to make. We can't make those if you don't plan ahead and, and have some things ready to go when you get it. Asking those que- – writing those questions out prevents that one question here emails. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's – that's frustrating as an advisor. And I'm sure it's frustrating for students as well in that because typically those one question emails come in when I can't respond in an hour, when I can't respond, you know, even maybe even that day, students sitting there waiting. I don't even know it's there yet. And in reality, it's something that could have been resolved ahead of time with just a little preparation. Absolutely. Um, and, and really, even a little bit of problem solving. Sometimes yeah. the questions that I get via email from students could easily be answered by looking at the Auburn website, doing a quick Google search with the keyword Auburn in there because it's going to be Auburn specific. Yeah, I, I think a little bit of forethought and, and preparation makes all the difference. And kind of back to the back and forth of emails, students can sometimes think of email as a text message. And it's this back and forth you know, one thing after another. And I have no qualms with a student basically typing up an entire essay of questions, and then I can go down the line and then every question is answered. So certainly put some thought into your communication with your advisor, because it not only will help us, but it's going to help. Part of being an Enneagram 8 is that we don't like small talk. We right. don't like the little bitty things. We love the efficiency. And, and anyway, this, I mean, where that comes in is just our personality working with your personality as a student. How do, how do those coexist? And for me, I'd much rather see, a, like you said, a, a 
string of questions in one email, and I can copy and paste those questions and just hear see see below. And a lot of times, what we find is that when you ask the questions, there are connections between those questions. Absolutely. And instead of just asking one, and then because they're not all together, we don't necessarily put them together when that next question comes along. But since we're looking at them all at once, Mm -hmm. I can say, oh, well, you asked about this. Let's connect these two and see how we can do those together. Or let's see how you can be efficient with your own time. You know, if if you've got three questions and two of them you can resolve by going to one office, if I know about them all at once, I can connect those two and say, hey, do these at the same time. And that saves you time. Work smarter, not harder. Right. But also the, you know, the other thing is looking at the, in the article or in the blog post, rather, it was mentioned that they expect the students to do at least a little bit of research before you come in. And a lot of times that research can answer your question. And these are skills, we, we talk about advising being education. We, we're we here to educate students. Um, we don't educate necessarily in the classroom, but we are definitely educating students in that, in life and in, you know, opportunities to, to use these skills that we talk about throughout the rest of their adult life. Problem solving is a skill that employers look, because it's not something that they can necessarily train you on. Whatever job you go to, you're going to have to do some type of training. They're not going to train you how to do creative thinking or problem solving or anything like that. And so taking the opportunity to attempt, you'll you'll use those skills when you move forward. You know, I'd much rather you say, hey, I look for this all over the place. I couldn't find it. I thought I found something. And then I can say, oh, it's right here. Next time, try this. Utilize those search skills. I mean, it, it seems like a silly thing to say almost. Those types of things, because if you were to co- go to an employer at one point, and ask a simple question that they feel like you should have been able to figure out on your own, it's probably not going to look. We hope that this blog post from Homeroom, the official blog of the U.S. Department of Education, has given you a little bit of insight into our profession and our role in your advising experience, your collegiate experience here at Auburn. Again, if you'd like to find the article, it is easily found through Google, our favorite problem-solving search engine. The title of the article is The Importance of Academic Advising in Higher Education by Caitlin Thatch, who's the intern of the U.S. Department of Education in the Office of Communication and Outreach. Again, the blog is Homeroom. And this concludes today's episode of the Advising 2 Bits podcast. We want to thank our guests and you, the listener, for joining us. We hope this information will be beneficial in your next advising meeting. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you can be notified the next time new material is available. The Advising 2 Bits podcast is produced by Adam McGee in the College of Agriculture.